Hello, everybody, and welcome to another podcast of Apostolic Sunday School. We're doing this the day after Easter, and boy, I gotta admit, it's actually two days after Easter, but Easter Sunday will really, really beat you up. And one thing I do want to talk about today, in addition to the great interview that we have with Brother Dwayne Uzzle about bus ministry, is to not be discouraged by other people's posts on social media. Let me explain that a little bit. Social media can be a little bit discouraging sometimes if you're looking at it and you're comparing your own bus ministry, your own Sunday school to what you are seeing posted. Just remember that what you are seeing are the highlights only. People don't typically post their bad days. You don't post when you have no kids on your bus. You don't typically post when you have big fight breakout. You don't post when your bus catches on fire. You don't typically post on those days. And so what we're doing when we're looking at other people's social media and comparing ourselves is you're comparing your average to their high. And that's not fair to yourself. So just remember, use those for inspiration and nothing else. Don't be discouraged when you see someone had a wonderful Sunday and you didn't have the greatest. Gotta admit, we had a rough Easter Sunday. We had a few things happen, including a bus catch on fire, some other goofy stuff. But you know, it was a wonderful day overall. No complaints and we're not getting discouraged. We're not shutting down the bus ministry. We're not doing any anything drastic just because we had a rough Sunday. And I encourage you to do the same. Again, use social media if you use it at all for inspiration and encouragement. But don't use it to compare your church, your ministry against anything else because you're only seeing the best of everybody out there. So say there's 50 people posting and there's only five people posting that week. That means there's 45 people that didn't have a Sunday that they thought was worth posting about. That's my rant for today. And now here is your thought of the day. It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Frederick Douglass Upcoming children's ministry events. On May 4th and 5th, we have a big children's ministry training seminar that's coming up in Redlands, California. We've got Brother Tony Spell coming. If you have never heard him talk about bus ministry, then you owe it to yourself to come out and check out this awesome event. There's going to be a Friday night, a more of an inspirational type service with Brother Spell. Brother Tyler Hodge is going to be there. Myself, uh, Sister Sonia Frost from Bakersfield, Sister Kathy Garrett from Fresno, and quite a few other speakers as well. They're going to be talking on Friday night. It starts at 6 o'clock, goes to about 9, and then there is a dinner provided for everybody. On Saturday, there's going to be many, many sessions, going to be breakout sessions. So it's best to come with somebody else so you guys can split up and get the best of all the worlds. And there is lunch provided on Saturday as well. And all of that is integrated into the cost. It's only $10 per person, and that includes both of those meals and, of course, all of the sessions. So we encourage you all to come out to that. Last thing is the Summit Conference. We have a Kingdom Kids Conference. We do a big children's church for about 250 kids. We make it a big deal. It's a one-of-a-kind type of service and it's in Pigeon Forge in September and if you'd like to become a part of that as far as uh, helping and taking home the ideas that you see there then we welcome you to contact us. You can email me at info at apostolicsundayschool.com. We're more than happy to get you on the team.
And now for our featured interview. All right. Well, we'd like to welcome Brother Dwayne Uzzle to the podcast today. He is a experienced minister in many ways with kids ministry. He's been doing a lot of junior camps, stuff in his local church. But what I'd like to really talk about today is his involvement with bus ministry. So, Brother, Brother Uzzle, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. If you don't mind, could you just give us a a brief background on your involvement, kind of how you got started in children's ministry. I know that's not your, your sole focus in your church by any means, but maybe just tell us as far as children's ministry is concerned, how did, how did you get first pulled into this? Okay. I, um, of course, currently I am the associate pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Union City, Tennessee. But before all of that came into existence, I was a local preacher in my church and, uh, and I was I was wanting to win souls. That was my that was what was driving me. It was about this coming May, I guess it will be will be five years that we've started our bus ministry. But it was probably around March or April of 2013. I was I was in my church praying, and I come to the church every day and just seek God. And in the midst of my prayer, I just began to ask God to help me be a soul winner, to help me change lives and I got into a point where uh, as a young minister I was I was seeing friends and and uh, acquaintances they was they was growing spiritually it seemed and and I seemed to be somewhat dormant and didn't really have the ministry that I wanted and I felt that God was leading me to have and uh, I finally come to a place my dad is the senior pastor of the church here and uh, I finally come to a place where I was like, God, just whatever you want me to do, just just do it. And I remember the place, the place on the altar that I was at. You know how it is when you finally get into that realm of prayer where the Spirit of God is just overwhelming you. And I felt the presence of God. And all of a sudden, while I was seeking God, I was like, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do, uh, God, I'm willing, I'm obedient. And it's at that moment, God began to give me a vision while I was praying that evening of a Sunday school bus and I seen I seen this bus or it was actually a van I seen the Sunday school van and it was decorated up it looked it looked like something that a circus ride would be in or something it was it was pretty crazy looking <laughs> and uh, I seen this in my vision and I was like God if you, if you want a bus ministry that's that's what we will do and uh, I was I just continued to pray and as I did the burden it began to just bear upon me very, very heavily. I was, I was ready to go do something immediately. Well, it was, it was after dark, so there was no way I could start knocking doors at that moment. But it was, it was something that was, from that moment on, began to weigh on me, and I began to feel the burden of it. And I, I just, my, my, my vision and burden began to drive me. And I, as I continued praying that evening, I was like, "No, God, if you're if you're for this and this is what you want, Lord, let my let my pastor, my wife, be for this." And I said, "If this is what you want, we'll do it." At the time, we had two church vans. We had a 12-passenger van that uh, picked up the elderly, uh, some of the elderly in our church, and some that didn't have vehicles. And we had two or three kids that rode it pretty much every service, and that was the extent of our bus ministry. And uh, thankfully, one of the kids that rode that bus even today is a minister in our church. So it's just it's, awesome. it's a very effective ministry. But that was the extent of it was it was two or three kids and some elderly people that rode our 12 passenger van. And that and we had an extra van that just sat. And that was all we had. So I picked up the phone and I was on my way home. I've got about a 15 minute drive between my home and our church. I picked up the phone. and I called my dad. 
I was like, Dad, I, I, I had this vision when I was praying tonight about a bus ministry. I said, what do you think? Man, he was, he was all for it. He's like, man, if that's what you feel that God's leading you to do, let's do it. So I was like, well, you know, I got one out of the way. If my wife's for it, then we'll, we'll rock on with this. So I make it home, and I'll never forget, I walked into my, my home, and my wife is folding clothes. I walked in, I said, baby, I said, God gave me a vision tonight in prayer about us starting a bus ministry. I said, and it's just been a heaviness on me ever since he showed it to me. I said, I feel like that's what God's calling us to do. And immediately my wife started crying. I mean, she was just, she was bawling. And of course, being a husband, I, I, I didn't know what was wrong. I said, are you okay? Is everything okay? And, and she commenced to tell me, she said, Dwayne, all day long, She's like, I've been burdened by something, and I didn't know what it was. I've just been praying. God just showed me showed me what, what, what it is. And uh, from that moment on, my wife's been my, my number one partner. And, and we started, uh, like I said, we had the 112 passenger with two or three kids on it. We allowed it to continue to run, and we got, the, we got permission to decorate the 15-passenger van. And from that moment on, our bus ministry was born. The first two kids we ever picked up, are, are still coming to church with us today. It's it's Incredible. it's been an amazing story. Well, your church definitely has one of the more vibrant, alive bus ministries in North America. Uh, as far as just the the pure volume of, of kids that come and, and get the Holy Ghost, it's just pretty incredible. So, how, how long has your bus ministry been going now? Um, like I said earlier, this May it will be five years that that we have started. Um, I looked back on some old Instagram posts and found where we had we had stickered up the 15 passenger van, and that that was May of 2013. So right now, how approximately how many kids do you pick up each week? Um, of course, you working in bus ministry, you know that numbers can fluctuate depending on the time of the year. Uh, we've had as many as 230 or so, maybe a little more, a little less, somewhere around there. Um, you know, we want to have 250 on Easter. So that's our big push right now. You know, on an average, I would say probably somewhere around 175 to 200. And those numbers can fluctuate depending on the week, you know, and, and the time of year. But, you know, on a good week, we'll, we'll hit 215, 230, you know. But on average, probably 175 to 200. And, of course, if, we, if you go under those numbers, then we're going to have a big push of some kind and try to revamp. So this podcast is aimed at people that already have bus ministries going and for those that may not have anything. I'm going to try to reach to both of those. So you started from from pretty much nothing, right? You had a van picking up a yeah. couple kids, but other than that, you basically started it at zero. It was, that was it. Our, our church was not, we didn't even call that a bus ministry. That was two or three kids that was related to families in our church. Got it. And that was the and they just needed rides. So we didn't we didn't have a bus ministry other than the two or three kids that rode on the twelve passenger that had families going here. It wasn't like they was coming just freelance. They had somebody here. So yeah, it was it was basically from scratch. Got it. And I know there's no one formula that will work for everybody, but would you mind just describing those first few months, how you went from zero to even getting the ball rolling was it just you going can you describe just the first little bit well of course my wife she was it was just me and her at first we was promoting uh, outreach in our church it, it wasn't it wasn't nothing like it is now we have teams that go out goes out every week now but back then it was just us trying to to build something and uh, it was born with commitment and passion i mean you just had to be committed to working your route every week I run that van every single week, whether anybody got on it or not. 
And I'll never forget the first two kids that we picked up. Uh, we continued to knock doors. We continued to pass out tracks. It wasn't as successful as I thought it would be. And my, actually, in one of my visions God gave me, I seen 10 vans. I seen them out there. And I'm like, God, this, this is a long ways from 10 vans if, um, if we can't get one kid. And so one of the things I encourage anybody to do is stay committed, stay committed. I work at the church now. Actually, a lot has changed in five years. Our church has more than doubled in size. I mean, bus ministries changed the dynamics of our church. But before I went on staff here at the church, I was working full time. I would get off of work and go work my route. It was just, it was pure commitment. And I was committed to my route and that's only born through a burden. And I really had a burden. And being a young minister, I wanted to see people saved, but I was having trouble reaching adults. So I knew God, I want to be a world changer. So I stayed committed. Sunday school is cool. That's our theme around here. So we had games, we had candy, we, I mean, our bus, we would crank up the music, we would, we would make outreach just as fun as Sunday school, and just trying to, even when a soul's as wise, and our target audience was um, children, young teen, teenagers, so we would try to do whatever we could do, you know, from megaphones to, you know, candy being thrown out the bus, like a parade every Saturday, we was, we was doing whatever it took to get to that point. That's awesome. And the first two kids we got, we actually never even knocked on their door. I seen them walking across an apartment complex or walking from one complex to the other, and they was with their mom. And I was just, I was so passionate. I just yelled out the window and told what was going on. And we needed a kid. We just wanted a kid to ride. And their mom told us, she's like, sure, they can ride, and told us where to drop them off at. Didn't even live nowhere in the area. God's filled them with the Holy Ghost. It's, it's been amazing. Those two boys, they've had, they've moved since our bus ministry started, they, there's been a lot of things within their family that's happened, certain things. And, but God used them in the beginning of our bus ministry to connect to other kids. They knew a lot of kids. So those two boys, I mean, even though, you know, I believe in the law of the harvest. If, if you plant seed, God's going to give you increase. But a lot of times we don't understand. Paul plants Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. We don't understand how it's going to come up or where it's going to come up at. So we stay committed to knocking doors and passing out tracks, giving out candy. But in reality, a lot of our early success came from those two boys. They would tell their friends about our Sunday school, and they would say, hey, go here. Let's pick up our, our friend on this side of town. Before you knew it, we had all their friends riding our bus, and then those friends had friends. And even since then, we have, those two boys have we reconnected with them. They're coming every. They actually ride my van. I still drive a van. They ride my van. They're they're my, they're, they're some of my best guys, and uh, they're in our teenage department now. I'd like to encourage anyone that's listening to this that almost every bus ministry that I've ever heard of started from one person or one couple getting this. It didn't take a crowd of people or a huge budget. It was just a couple people that had a burden and they went out there and did it. So it doesn't matter how big your church is. It doesn't matter what your resources are. If you care enough, I'm telling you, one person can kick off something that's just going to blow your mind. And then the rest of the church is going to see it and get excited and get on board. Just about every place that I, I know has a successful bus route, it started with one person. That's, that's exactly right. I tell people all the time, there's no way God has did what he did here without all of us being involved. But I look back now and... My bus staff is 30 to 40 people every Sunday, counting monitors. And, and I'm like, it's, it's a domino effect. It takes one person to catch on fire, get the vision, and that fire will spread. I promise you, all it takes is one person, like Mother Booker said. 
I know this is not easy to do, but could you describe a typical Sunday morning as far as when your bus workers get to the church, when you guys start loading up, heading out, it may be different for all the routes, when they get to the church, what happens? Just a quick synopsis. What does a Sunday morning look like? Um, Sunday morning, I, you may ask this question later in this podcast, but we have breakfast every Sunday morning and talking about starting something. That all started with me and my wife and some of the early vans that got this started, just giving out Debbie cakes on Sunday morning. We was one of these kids was getting on the bus and they was hungry. So we have, we have a breakfast, we have different breakfast teams that meet every Sunday morning. So a typical Sunday morning involves a breakfast team getting here very early. Your breakfast team, roughly what time do they show up as, and you start at 10, I'm assuming you kick off your classes at 10? Uh, well, our breakfast starts at 10. Uh, classes start at 1030. Most everybody with the exception of two of the younger grades go into morning worship, then we divide into class. But church starts at 1030. But breakfast is between 10 and 1030. We have we have four consistent teams. And uh, depending on the team and what they're serving, I mean, we've got some teams that, I mean, it looks like a buffet at Ryan's. I mean, it's it's everything. Then we have some teams that their, their, their menu is going to be it's going to be good food. It's going to be, you know, good hot breakfast, but it might not take take as long to cook. But I would say 8 a.m. would probably be the first time one of the cooks would arrive and uh, start getting things prepared to feed, you know, 200 plus people. Got it. So you have breakfast teams. You have different people cooking breakfast each week. That, uh, that's correct. We um, uh, bus ministries change the dynamics of our church, and and those of you that have been to our church, you know that this is this is this is kind of the. Uh, the backdrop of what our church is built around is bus ministry. And so we had a lot of the elderly, some of the people that couldn't get out, knock doors, people that couldn't drive buses that was wanting to get involved. One lady and her family, I think it was, came and said, hey, you know, I know you're feeding them cakes on the bus, but we'd like to start feeding breakfast. And so it went from there to they developed teams. And it's, uh, it's usually a lot of the elderly. I know my grandmother, my grandmother's actually on a breakfast team and, and there's teams of anywhere from five to 10 people every Sunday morning that only do this once a month. And they all chip in. They all put their money together and buy enough breakfast to feed all these kids. So everybody plays a part. Our church is not out any money at all. It's, you know, you take, you take uh, five elderly couples and they go together and say they put 10, $20 a week all together. They can buy a lot of waffles for that, you know? So they, they all just come together and, and uh, cook breakfast for them. And that's, that. We have four consistent teams, and on a fifth Sunday, we got a team that does on the fifth Sundays as well. Your breakfast team gets there about eight o'clock, and your your wife's route leaves roughly what time? Um, they leave. Uh, they leave. I think they've actually been running a little late. Their their, their route has extended a little bit, but uh, they leave no later. They try to leave no later than eight forty-five. Of course, sometimes that runs into nine o'clock. One at one. We have a radio broadcast, and one of our guys that work at the broad that does our broadcast. He rides my wife's bus, so depending on what time he gets back, they fluctuate between 8.45 and 9 o'clock. Got it. Go ahead and take us through the rest of the morning. All the We, we push for the buses and vans all to be back by 10 o'clock. Of course, uh, in a perfect world, everybody would be here at 9.59, but that's, that's that never happened. <laughs> um, so we, we get them here, and even, you know, you know how it is. Some kids are never ready, and <laughs> it's always a process. So everybody's getting back at different times. And uh, we feed them in our family life center, which is connected to our uh, church facility. And so there's an awning there, and we'll pull up under that awning anywhere between 10 and 10, 15. And uh, we'll start, a lot of times they use the number system. They get out, and they, 
they'll write their you know write their bus number on their hand and and send them on in the gym. And once they get in the gym, all of our Sunday school staff that don't actually work buses. My wife, I call her Sunday bivocational. She she teaches Sunday school. She's a Sunday school superintendent and drives a. 66 passenger bus. She's oh she's goodness. pretty much a superhero. She's she's pretty cool. She's she's amazing. But the ones the teachers that are not driving buses or whatever they 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 meet with our breakfast team, and they help supervise these kids as they come in. So immediately the teachers are working when these kids start getting off the bus. Awesome. And so uh, from 10 to 10:30, 10 um, depending on what team they have, how they're going to serve the food. Sometimes they bring it to the kids. Most of the time they form a line and. Everybody gets their plate, and, and they sit down. So we have a lot of teenagers, and we, we've got a gymnasium with, with basketball courts. So when the kids get done playing or get done eating, we, we let them shoot basketball and just get, you know, just have a good time, kind of hang out, get to see their friends, kind of get all the energy out of them. Whenever that's done, uh, we will start. We will start. My brother, my brother, he's, he's an amazing guy. He's involved in everything as well. I've got two brothers. Both of them are, both of them are actively involved in all of this. But they will go, and uh, one of my brothers is getting getting a count of who all was on buses, and the other one is rounding up. He's our youth pastor as well, so they kind of listen to him. So he's rounding everybody up, getting them gathered up, and we bring, uh, with the exception of our nursery class and uh, our three- and four-year-olds, I think it is, with the exception of them, we bring everybody else into our sanctuary for worship. And we, we, you know, we're working on the future of our church, and we want them to feel apostolic Pentecostal anointed worship. And so we bring all of the teens and kids into our sanctuary, and, and they stay in for morning worship. And uh, you know how that is in a Pentecostal church. That could blow up and turn into an upper room experience, and, and they don't go to class till you know, for 45 minutes. And, and we want them actively involved in worship. I mean, if they want to run the aisles, I believe in, you know, in order, church order, and uh, we've definitely got enough um, got enough wet blankets they can put out something if it gets too bad. <laughs> so, uh, every, church, every, every church has got that. So, but if it gets if it gets out of hand, we we've got enough you know supervision and help that we can uh, we can uh, keep them supervised. But if we let I mean we let them run the aisles. We've had them to get the Holy Ghost in the middle of our worship. And, awesome. and and if we see, I believe God gave me a revelation several years ago, a few years ago. That, you know, in natural birth, when the water breaks, you're about to have a baby. And if you can ever see these kids, if you're sensitive and you're watching them during worship, if it's, if depending even on the mood of the service, if you see tears coming out of their eyes, you're, you're, you're at the brink of having a baby. You, somebody's about to get the Holy Ghost if you push it hard enough. And so if we see these kids crying and see them moved, we're blessed with a lot of young ministers and they will, they will pray those kids through right here in the middle of morning worship. But we have kids getting the Holy Ghost in our morning worship. On a, on, a, on a regular uh, regular occasion. It happens often. One question, going back to your breakfast slash get the energy out time, mm-hmm. the church kids or the kids that don't come on the bus, do they come in at 10 and eat breakfast with the rest of them? Or how? Do, when do they start getting in the mix? Uh, the church kids, they're more than welcome to eat breakfast with us. You know, we, <laughs> we have, we depending on the breakfast teams, we liable to have... Uh, 75 to 100 of our church members <laughs> eat breakfast, if they, you know, if they allow it. Some of them make a ton of food, and uh, and, and it's it's turned into a fun event for a lot of, especially those that have spouses or kids or teenagers that are involved in all these ministries. They're there early anyways, 
And so we do have a lot of our church kids that meet there as well. Everybody's, you know, they're welcome. Now, of course, if we had our entire church over there, it wouldn't work. But there's a lot of our church kids that are there because, um, of course, if they're kids, then their parents are, are young. And we have a lot of our young couples that work in these ministries. So they're there early. So, yeah, it's, it's open to them if they want to come. Okay, for those that don't, uh, do they just join you in the main service? And they, if do. they do. Do they sit with their classes, or do they sit with their parents and then just they just exit when everybody goes to their classes? Uh, depending, um, they they have they most of them a lot of times will sit with their classes, and and the older ones, you know, I would say nine, ten years old and up, they're at our church. We we still like to come around the front during worship. And, and a lot of these kids will kind of stand, you know, they'll fill the aisles up and come around the front. We just, we let them get involved just like they was one of our church kids. So everybody kind of mixes and mingles. I believe it's important to involve your church kids with your, with your bus kids. I, I don't like Absolutely. to separate, I don't like to separate the two. So, so, and, and our kids, you know, they react well with that. But uh, as far as that, as soon as worship is over, Everybody, you know, when, when, when what we call offering time, when it gets time to take up the offering, everybody goes back to classes. And it's a tad bit chaotic at that point, um, but we're a Sunday school church. You know, you, it's just it's just part of having a Sunday school church. That's that's we're built around Sunday school. So and, and so every all the kids and teens, they all their places in classes. And at that point, um, I, I'm usually leading the service at that point. So we will. We'll crank up a song. We'll make it a little bit loud in the church just to kind of keep the noise uh, at a minimum with the, you know, with the chatter. But uh, they all go to their classes. And at that point, um, myself or my dad will, will preach. And when the preaching's over, the, uh, everything preteen and down, after the preaching's over and they've had their class time, everything preteen and down will come back into the sanctuary. And they will sing for us. They have a big kids' choir, and they sing for the entire congregation. And so they're steadily making a constant, uh, constant contact with me and my dad, and which is which I think is important. They need to know who the you know the pastors of the church. When they see us on the street, they need to know introduce us to their parents. You know, it's just it's all part of of, of, of the aspects of our you know the future of these kids. So we want them. My sure. dad's my dad's down there high fiving them. We're you know they get to know who the pastor is in these ways, and they're singing to the church. They feel like they're a part. And uh, then after that, after they get done singing. Uh, we have a few uh, typical announcements we do before we dismiss, and at that at that point, um, the kids that we have a birthday box. If they have birthday, or they get their they get their prize, and they'll come before you know before the church and tell how old they are and get their prize, and then everybody goes and starts uh, getting on buses. And in a perfect world, everything would run smooth, but <laughs> but it's 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 a tad bit chaotic. But that's that's uh, that's that's part of revival. So. <laughs> Our our teachers they they they're, they're superheroes. They 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 kind of keep everything together, and and uh, we have usually our monitors will come in and get the kids, at port, you know, by class and and take them to their buses, and then we load up on buses, give out a ton of candy, and take them home. You mentioned when they leave the classrooms, they come in and sing. So how does that work with your existing service? So this is after preaching that they come in and sing? This is after preaching, prayer, everything. We won't allow them in the sanctuary. If there's if there's people praying, um, you know, they don't come back into the sanctuary until the spirit of that moment has left, you know. Because um, you just never know, that you know, what the service is going to be like. So they won't come back in, you know. Now, if it's, 
if they're running aisles and swinging from chandeliers, the kids ain't going to bother a thing. <laughs> but but if it's if the tone of the service is that of a softer tone, then we definitely don't want kids screaming walking into the building. So our ushers, we have great usher staff. They will go and they will they will tell the kids when we're ready for them. And so the ushers know kind of the time that it's time for the kids to come in. So are your kids out of the classroom, or are they in that back in that fellowship basketball area waiting for that time? They are in their classroom until the ushers knock on the door and tell them it's time for them to come and sing. So now the the teens, the teenagers and preteens, that's their fun time. They're over there shooting hoops, playing volleyball, whatever they're doing. They, that, that's their hangout time. Is that that time there? So they're they're playing in Got the it. gym. But the, the the other classes, they all come out when the and tell them it's it's that time. So they come in and they they sing, but is this a, a pre-practice song? It's it's usually a pre-practice song. They will they will sometimes they will sing a song they had learned before. But uh, we have one of our Sunday school teachers, uh, with actually several of them, get up there, and a lot of times it's it's. Uh, I mean, you you most of you guys have listening have been to junior camp and seen the the action-oriented songs where they're, you know, they I'm in the Lord's army and they're flying and they're. You know, saluting, it's usually motion involved. So me and my dad, we rotate usually on Sunday mornings, uh, who's doing the preaching on Sunday morning. And so both of us preach about the same length of time. So they know about what time that these kids are going to start coming out. They know about what time normally uh, prayer, you know, altar service is going to last. And so usually around altar service time, they're back there learning these songs. And uh, so they will all meet, learn the songs, and they come out and sing them for us. And the kids love it. It's it's a fun time for the kids. I wish all this would have just happened, you know, May of 2013. But man, a lot of this, it's we're still we're still editing and and working on stuff every day. This didn't just happen overnight. This is stuff that's been years of trial and error. You have classrooms they go into. What are the breakdowns of ages that you send them send them into? We have a two and three year old class, four and five year old class, six and seven year old class eight and nine year old class, preteen class, teen class. So that is our that is our class settings there. We've got uh, three buses that run actively and about seven vans that are active. And one so that's that's our active vans. Now one of those vans it's it's give or take on it. But so that's our that's our we have three big buses. One of them's like an eighty passenger bus, one of them sixty six passenger and the other one's like an eighty something passenger. So we have three big ones and Six, six or seven vans, seven vans and eight possibly that run every Sunday. Then we've got, thankfully, we've got uh, we've got spare vans. We've got two that if a bus won't start, breaks down, that's going to pick up the slack. Same goes for a van, so it works out. That's that's very important. <laughs> that can get your morning pretty hectic if you uh, if you don't have a substitute for something. <laughs> and a cold, we have very cold winters, and some of these buses don't like the cold, so it's it can be. So we've got to have a plan. So we've got two other vans that we run as substitutes. With that many vehicles, you've got to run into some driving issues. So what? What? how have you made contingencies to have enough drivers every week, especially on those buses with the commercial driver's license? Man, it's, it's been a, it's been a blessing um, that, that we, we have, our church has offered um, to pay for the entire process for commercial drivers uh, from getting their license to just so on. And um, 
And, and so it, it can be an issue, and it has been an issue in time past because you've got a lot of driver's license, which in our state, as long as you've got driver's license, you can drive, if you're, I think, 21 or older, you can legally drive a 15-passenger van. And I can see in the future of going completely to vans, possibly, I don't know, the buses just pick up so many more kids, and it's, it makes it very good in these, you know, the apartment complexes, things like that. But it's just so, it is a, it is a process. Um, we have got, we have got, uh, each bus has got a set commercial driver that drives all three of the buses every week. Um, I, and my wife is one of those. And with that, we have got a, we've got uh, one substitute driver that is usually always available if we need him. And we use him often because sickness, anything could happen and one of the drivers couldn't make it. And, uh, and we have just got one of our young preachers in the church, Just he's got his uh, commercial driver's permit. So right now, it's, it's pretty crazy. One of our commercial drivers had surgery and is not able to drive, but she's able to ride while this guy with the permit is able to drive the bus. So it worked perfect timing. He's actually driving the bus now. She's riding with him, to, and he's getting driving time, and she's on there with him as well. So it is, it is a little hard. Um, we've got we've – got, more in our church that has commercial driver's license that would probably step up if we needed them to. But we've got one elderly man. He's a retired truck driver, and uh, he's always available if we need him, for the most part, if we need him to uh, to substitute. Usually, you're not going to have no. You're, you're usually not going to have no more than one commercial driver that can't make it. But it has happened. We've had two that couldn't make it, and and with that happening, we took those two spare vans that we had, run a bus route with them. Yep, and I'd like to encourage anybody listening also that the process of getting your commercial driver's license is not as steep as you think it is, and it's not as expensive or time-consuming. So I highly recommend, if you've been putting it off, at least get the ball rolling. It's not as difficult as you think. I I got it myself. Brother Uzzle's wife got it. Uh, And this is from zero background, at least on my side, of driving large vehicles. I mean, I went from zero to having my license, just an investment of some time, and I'll have that for the rest of my life, which is awesome. That's true. So, that is true. Yeah, so I recommend go get it. You can't have enough people in your church that have these things. You will be uh, very much uh, desired to to drive for all kinds of stuff besides in your private life. It helps you there as well, get get jobs and That's true. all kinds of stuff. So. Uh, actually, the guy, it's pretty cool, the guy that just got his permit, he's a mailman, but he gets off of work earlier during the day. He just told me Sunday he uh, he's already got a job with our school system as a substitute bus driver, going to make some extra money, and, and they're going to let him use their school bus to take his, uh, because, of course, uh, there's probably a headlight or something out on one of our buses. There's always a little something that they're going to nitpick a little bit on a bus, so yeah. Uh, they're going to let him use one of our local school buses to do his test in, and he's got a job uh, part-time to, you know, fill him in for school school bus drivers. So it's pretty cool. Uh, you guys have had a lot of kids get the Holy Ghost through your bus ministry. How do you account for the that large percentage that you have? I would say it's it's higher than average. Um, our, uh, we, we, of course, you know, we have staff meetings and in our staff meetings, that is our, that is our sole purpose is to, is to push these kids towards Holy Ghost and baptism in the name of Jesus. Um, one of the things, and uh, a lot of people probably won't agree with this, but it's worked for us is 
Sunday schools, uh, we, we make it about 90% fun and about 10% spiritual. But what we do is we really capitalize on that spiritual. When it's time to pray, we pray. I mean, it's not, it's not, we don't just rub them on the back and say everything's going to be okay. We're going to pray. And, and, and uh, uh, repentance works for a five-year-old as, just as well as it works for a 50-year-old. And so we, 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 I try to push to our, to our Sunday school staff to learn how to pray with these kids. And repentance for them, you know, little Johnny don't know anything about, um, um, adult issues and so little johnny's gonna have to you know repent for telling his mom a lie and repent for uh cheating on his spelling test and you know that's things little johnny's got he's got to understand the concept of repentance and so when i when i, I push our, our drivers i mean our, our Sunday school teachers i said hey guys when we pray with these kids you know you got to remember their, their children and even teenagers our teen our team workers and the ones that work in our teenage classes they deal with them as you know from a teenager's perspective and address teen issues that they're facing and teach them what repentance is. It's not a gimmick, it's a gift. And when they go to repenting, they will, they will receive the Holy Ghost and really speak with tongues. We've been criticized. Not all of them kids are getting the Holy Ghost. Well, they'll know soon enough, you know. I, I, but to be honest with you, probably 80, 80 to 90% of the kids that say they get the Holy Ghost in our church, we have seen them speak with tongues. Now, who am I to say they didn't? If they come up to me and said, yeah, I spoke with tongues. I said something like it. You know, I'm, I'm not the judge, so I'll let them and God decide that. And with time, we're going to continue to work with that child until we Absolutely. see it for ourselves. Where We want to see it. But, of course, not every time we do. But I would say 80 to 90% of the time, we see them speak with tongues. And sometimes I've been like, you receive the Holy Ghost. I see you talking with tongues. You know, tears are not fake. You know, we don't have somebody with water pistols squirting them inside <laughs> the eyes. You know, these are, and so I just, I believe when tears start falling, these kids, you know, they're, they're breaking their inner man and God's about to give them a Holy Ghost. And so I prepare them for that. Well, our teachers do. And so that's, that's, that's where we, we gear it all towards that, that one time when it's time to pray. Now, we have our, our Sunday school department set up a little different probably than, than most. We have classroom settings three, to, three Sundays out of the month, and on the fourth Sunday, the last Sunday of the month, or the fifth Sunday, whichever it turns out to be, we have a uh, children's church that last Sunday. And so our sole purpose is to get those kids geared and ready for children's church. So when they go in there, when it's all said and done, we won't have masses getting the Holy Ghost. And so we've got a lot of times we've got our teen, our Holy Ghost-filled teenagers down there praying these kids through. I mean, they are, they're, they're in there ready to pray. And so a lot of times we will have large numbers on those days because all month long those teachers have prepped them for this moment. Now that children's church is in the main sanctuary, is that right? No, no, it's, it's in our family life center. And uh, we it. have a large teen and preteen area. They all go to their area. And then our, all of the kids, with the exception of nursery age, um, goes to the, our family life center. We have a stage built in our gymnasium, and, and that's where they go. Got it. So you have two separate children's churches on that fourth Sunday. Yes, sir. The teens and preteens, and there's usually a lot of those that get the Holy Ghost as well. We're having a, it's, it's a pretty powerful revival with our teenagers. We're busting in a lot of teens and preteens right now. It's pretty cool. So what, what are your plans for retention, for keeping the kids that get the Holy Ghost, discipling them? How do you get them from a, a, a bus kid, quote unquote, 
to be a church kid. They may still come in on the bus, but how do you make them that transition where now they're living for God on their own? Right. Now they got the Holy Ghost. What now? We have, you know, we're five years into this, and so we are not 20 years into it to where we can say, well, this has happened or that's happened. But uh, there's a 22-year-old guy that rode that 12 passenger. He had a cousin that come to church here, the very first van we ever had. He's a preacher. He's actually my bus monitor. And he rode, he rode that 12 passenger along with the elderly and those that didn't have cars. He was one of three. It's him, another girl, and they, they didn't have nobody making them. They had family here, but nobody, they had to ride a church van to get to church. We have recently started a, it's a program called Next Level Team Ministry. And, and what we do with this Next Level Team Ministry is preteens and teens that are, that are, that are serious. And, and I have my staff, my, my teachers and, uh, that work with those, these classes to monitor these kids, and, and you can tell the ones that are really getting it. And uh, this Next Level program, it's a, it's a pretty cool program. Um, they have to, they, they, they got to work their way to get there. If they want to be part of the Next Level program, they've got to, there's got to be work to meet for repentance. <laughs> they've got sure. to act right in class and do right and listen. And, and it's usually those that are really listening to what's going on. They're there to, they're there, you know, of course, they're going to have fun, but they're there to, to get everything they can get out of that service or their, their class, those kids there qualify for the next level program. And the next level program, they, they, we picked them up on Sunday evenings. It was something I was burdened by because I mean, five years into it, we've got a lot of teenagers. So we needed something. And so this is, this is fairly new. This is what's on their This is what's on their sheet. I'll just read it verbatim. Next level student ministries. This ministry is designed to take your walk with God to the next level. Through this ministry, you will be provided transportation to and from the service on Sunday evening. This ministry could be the beginning of the call of God on your life. It is our endeavor to see you become active church members, preachers, teachers, musicians, singers, etc. It can all happen if you want to make it happen. If you're ready to if you're ready to take your walk with God to the next level, and of course I've got that in italics because that's the name of the group. Please read the following rules and guidelines. All members of our next level student ministries must obey the supervising staff at all times. They must be active in prayer and worship and not in a joking manner. They must sit with the youth of FPC. That's one thing. I don't like them when they come. If they come on Sunday evenings, I want them intermingled with our youth. I don't want them sitting in their own little group. So that's part of my rules on that. They must sit with the youth of FPC. Talking is not allowed unless you are talking with Jesus or worshiping. There will be no congregating in the hallways. Your attitude, sh- your attitude should be an attitude of worship, praise, and learning, not joking, laughing, and cutting up. God will not use a clown, period. <laughs> God will use somebody that's serious about living for God. Any violation of these rules are subject to you being removed from this ministry for a time. This is a ministry that will be compiled of, a, will be compiled of serious teens and preteens that want to grow in God. Monthly meetings will t- take place for learning and discussion. And then I have the names and numbers of all of our directors, and I have a place for them to put their name and phone number. And it's, you know, they when they sign this, you know, they can be removed from this. They can still come on Sunday mornings, but they can't do the Sunday night thing if we're if they're not proving themselves. And so, uh, it has really taken off good. We've had some to get the Holy Ghost through this, and I had a girl to text. I have my my actually my team my main team teacher come up to me Sunday night. And he received a text message from one of the teenagers, and uh, he didn't know who it was. 
and uh, she's getting baptized this coming Sunday. So it's 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 a pretty cool program that that you know we're connecting. And we have monthly meetings. One of the workers, one of the guys that's over this next level student ministry, is the young 22 year old preacher that rode the 12 passenger bus. So he tells his story. He's got a story to tell. So it works out great. He's I went to the first meeting that they had and it was amazing. It we we prayed. I mean there was kids in there praying. One of our next level kids, but he rode my brother's bus for years. His house just burnt down this week, and and people in our church. Because he is, he went above and beyond. He's he's on. They they're reaching out and trying to help this kid's family. He's a, he's a young teenager, just just great kid, and he's part of this group. So you know we're trying to change the way they view themselves. I mean I, I push the fact that hey you guys can be part of our worship team or you know this there's everything is available to you if you will if you will follow these guidelines. We gotta tie them in. I've I've seen too many times that these kids get the Holy Ghost and then. It's so easy to move on to the next one. As far as outreach, promotions, getting new kids, getting more exposure on your buses, maybe you're starting a new route in a new part of town. What have you found to be the most effective? We try to make small things big. You know, if if, if breakfast is served every Sunday, we're going to push the fact that, hey, we have an awesome breakfast this coming Sunday, even though it's served every Sunday. So we push things that are already in existence, and we blow it up. I mean, as far as when you're going into a new area, because a lot of you, I mean, a lot of the people that listen to this, you have awesome programs already in sta- you know, intact. And so if you magnify what you're doing to an extent that makes those kids want, hey, I want to go see what this is all about, then then that's that's one of the key things when you're going and knocking doors. It's magnifying what you're doing. Now, if your Sunday school is boring, you're not going to have nobody ride your. They might not ride once, but they're not going to ride the second time. Just because, I mean, the bus might have been cool, but Sunday school ain't. You know, it's 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 just yeah. it's hard to it's hard to happen. And, and you know, I try to give them both. You know, if they did have somewhat of a boring day in class, I'm going to try to make that bus exciting. We're going to try to you know we're going to try to pick up the pick up the slack. But um, this coming Sunday we have uh, we have a cotton candy Sunday. Cotton candy is a very cheap thing to make. We 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 raise money. Got a cotton candy maker. And uh, tonight or tomorrow night, we will have a ton of people down here making bags of cotton candy. So I went and, and literally, literally for little or nothing, a local print shop can make you small handbills to pass out for, I mean, a lot of times less than 20 bucks, you can make 500 of those things, you know, probably 10, $15. And uh, just we're, we're pushing cotton candy Sunday. One of the reasons is we've had the, the flu has come through. We've had a lot of flu. Last week, we had the time change. And with the time change, a lot of our kids didn't show up because they were sleeping. Well, I, I don't like to let I don't like to let wood sit in the rain too long. I want to get it dry. I want to get I want to preserve what we have. And so I'm going to push. I'm I'm very sporadic. I, I will I will spark a new push. Just I'm talking within three or four days. I'm be like, hey, this Sunday we're doing this, and we'll go out. We'll bombard our communities. I, I'm not. I'm, I, I should be, but I'm not much of a planner. I move fast. I just, I just, I was like, oh, this week's Cotton Candy Sunday. Like, it is. Yeah, we just when that when you plan that today. <laughs> so, so I went. I got some handbills made. We're gonna pass these out, and uh, we're gonna try to reconnect with the kids that didn't come this past Sunday. And a lot of them was probably due to the time change. They were sleeping. They wasn't used to getting up at this time. You know, it's an hour earlier than normal. But we're gonna go, and we're gonna we're gonna try to try to push this and make it happen. The time change hit us hard, man. It hit us hard last week. 
it, it hit us, and it, it gets frustrating, and, and that's the devil wanting you to be frustrated. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, we'll fight back. You know, we're going we're gonna to have a big push this Sunday. And uh, I require all of my teachers, all of my teachers, if they're going to teach, they're required to go on outreach at least once a month, at least once a month. And if they can't do that, then, I mean, it's, it's unfortunately, they, they don't really have the burden that we need to teach these kids. Because I think that these teachers need to step into their lives. I think they need to step in. They need to see what these kids are living in. And a lot of times you will find a lot more compassion is developed by them going to the streets and seeing what we're dealing with. And so that, that helps a lot. We have a lot of teachers that are going to – we have outreach teams. Every, we have different teams that go out every week. Now, me, I'm going to work my, my van. I've got a van, so it's a little smaller than a bus, but I work my van route every week. Now, all of our bus drivers don't necessarily work their bus routes every week, but they are required to work them at least once a month. Well, what they may do is they may divide that in, but divide that out between two weeks because they go to different areas in town, you know. So it, I try to make it, you know, we all have lives. An hour out of your Saturday is not too much for these kids, as far in my opinion. Now, everybody don't think like me, so <laughs> but that's, that's kind of the way I look at it. Well, I've heard it said, and and this was, of course, from the kind of people that I don't pay attention to anyway, but I've heard him say that all you're trying to do is separate the child from their parents, which we know is nonsense. We're trying to reach into the home, starting with the children. Uh, but what are some ways that you found uh, to to connect with the parents through the ministry of bus ministry? Man, we have had we have had great success with uh, these parents receiving the Holy Ghost as well. I've got I remember um, in particular, um, it, it, there's a little boy. His name is Jaden. I tell this story often. He rode my my van probably four years ago. I mean, it was a year or so into our bus ministry. He started riding my van. Make a long story short, one day his grandmother called me and said, "You don't have to pick Jaden up. I'm coming to church today with Jaden." His grandmother received the Holy Ghost. She is as solid as a rock. She is solid. And his sister is in our, she's in our choir. She's a teenager. She's came in now. She received the Holy Ghost. She's solid as a rock. Jaden, he don't ride the bus anymore. But a lot of this came from love. When they see you really loving and caring about their kids, then they're going to be more adamant to want to talk to you and, and, and to reach out to you because they know this, this ain't just a, you know, if you're doing it for numbers, you know, I know they counted on the day of Pentecost, and that's that's awesome. But I don't want I don't want my outreach to be purely built upon uh, my Instagram post. Of course, I'm going to post about it. I like to. I, I mean, I'm excited about it. I sure. post about things I'm excited about. Uh, I want to. I want to kind of try to push people. When people see my post, I want them to say, "Hey, let's get out." I want to remind them about you know, "Hey, let's get out and win souls today." But if if my outreach is solely built upon a, a, a photo op. Then, then we're we're missing the mark. We're missing it totally. That's awesome. And that. and so when we go out and we work, we work our communities. We do this because we really want to see people saved, not because we want to have, uh, we want to be noted as the church with the most kids. If that's the reason you're doing it, you're missing the mark. If you don't have but ten kids to ride your bus, and you love those kids, and you do this because you want to see these kids saved. You're making a difference. I talked to had a, I had a preacher call me yesterday. Just started a just started a church and in a big city. He was like, "Man, I've got one person that's coming." I'm like, "Man, if that's all you ever have to come, and they turn into be a solid saint of God, you, your mission is accomplished." You know. So a lot of times, a lot of times, people get frustrated with with numbers and we're not seeing this. We're not seeing. 
you know, well, the deal is in, in, the, in the reality of the things, and I've had to shake, this, shake myself into, into reality and realize, hey, Dwayne Ozzel, you're not, you're not doing this so that you don't lose your reputation. You know what I'm that saying? That is so awesome. And, and if I we're love not, that. If we're, if we're not careful, we will, we will lose focus on why we're doing it. And when we're driven by, you know, no flesh is going to glory in God's presence. And if we're doing this to try to bring glory to ourselves, then you will see, you will see a lack of anointing in your, in your Sunday school and bus ministry. And so it's, it's got to be, we're human beings. So we've got to, we've got to learn to drive ourselves into a godly manner or else we will be doing this for personal motives instead of what God's called us to do it for. And so I tried to keep myself at that place five years ago when I felt the heaviness and the burden that come upon me, I try to keep myself in that place instead of being, um, you know, oh, my goodness, if if we start losing bus numbers and, you know, our church is going to be talked about, you know, they're going to make fun of us or um, I'm not going to get to preach camps. If that, you know, that's, we're going to lose, we're going to lose focus if that is, if that's what we're driving for. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a Instagram photo op. This is about the kingdom of God and changing these kids' lives. Absolutely. So again, to take this to anyone listening, whether you're picking up two kids, 10 kids or 200 kids, it does not matter. Make the most of the people that do come. Don't just uh, regret that you can't bring more. Honestly, I would rather bring fewer kids and concentrate on them better <laughs> than to bring in 300 and let them just go nuts. And then you're not connecting with any of them. Well, thank you so much for everything. I do got one more question and then we'll let you go. We're, we're getting to the end of our time limit. But um, do you, if you only had one tip to give someone that was thinking about starting a bus ministry, what would you tell them? Um, commitment. you got to stay committed. Um, committed to your routes. Run those routes. And, you know, you fish until you realize somebody's drained the pond. You just committed to your routes. Uh, let, it be, let it be from a real burden, real passion. Passion creates, you know, it, it creates the dynamics of what we do. you got to be passionate about it. And so, uh, but commitment. Stay loyal to your routes. Don't get frustrated because you only picked up one kid. You keep picking that kid up and keep knocking doors, keep passing out tracks. You sow the seed, God's going to give the increase. And so in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. So commitment. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time today, Brother Uzzle. And I know I'm encouraged. I'm sure everybody that's listening, they're leaving this podcast probably to go knock on some doors because they're pretty excited. Well, thank you so much. Jesus, Apostolic Sunday School.